Good mornings, I'm Chris Oaks, and coming up today, it's the little things that can have the biggest impact. How to change someone's life for the better on Random Acts of Kindness Day. Also this morning, a celebration of Black History Month and the theme of honoring African-American trailblazers in the arts. With upcoming events at Findlay's Black Heritage Library and Multicultural Center, Jerome Gray will tell us what's happening. The Trojans are a top seed in the high school basketball tournament, but there's still business to take care of in the regular season. We'll get a preview and another collection of yummy and easy-to-make recipes from Kyra's Kitchen. This is the Good Mornings Podcast Edition for Friday, February 16th, 2024. Boy, Caitlin Clark really is something else, isn't she? I mean, I actually feel for the reporters that have to cover Iowa women's basketball on a regular basis because, I mean, after after so long, how many superlatives can you come up with to describe Caitlin Clark's career? Uh, it, it's got to be tough to to cover her on a regular basis and not sound like you're just fawning all over her because uh, she's just such a generational talent. So she sets the all-time NCAA women's basketball scoring record. She now sits at 3,569 points. But, and this is a demonstration of the history of women's sports and the fight for equity and equality in women's sports in this country. She sets the NCAA scoring record, but she still has two more scoring records to break. Uh, Because in the early days of women's sports, up until, what, the early 80s, women's sports were not sanctioned by the NCAA. They were not technically NCAA sports. It was something called the, uh, let me see if I can look it up here, the Association for Intercollegiate, the Association for Intercollegiate Athletics for Women. So it's a different sanctioning body that oversaw women's sports until the NCAA said, yeah, I guess we should, you know, step in here and, you know, bring women's basketball, women's sports uh, on a level playing field with men. But anyway, and, uh, So she is, what, 80 points shy of the major women's basketball scoring record. Uh, Lynette Woodard has 3,649 points, so she is still 80 short of that. And then she is, uh, let's see here, a few more points shy of the overall women's college basketball record when you include smaller schools Pearl Moore of Francis Marion holds that record with 4,061 points. But this is kind of interesting. Even if Caitlin Clark uh, took 13 fewer games to set the record than uh, Kelsey Plum, who previously held the NCAA record. So she did in 13 fewer games, but uh, which is impressive. But if she gets to that all-time record, those all-time records before the NCAA sanctioned women's college basketball, uh, keep in mind that those records were set before the three-point line was introduced, and she's shot a lot of threes. So 
uh, an asterisk behind all of that? I don't know, maybe, but obviously she's had a lot more pressure than either of those players did in years gone by. But uh, Caitlin Clark and women's sports in general having a moment right now because of uh, her run at Iowa. By the way, speaking of <laughs> college sports, women's college sports having a moment here, uh, maybe the next big thing in college sports will be cornhole. <laughs> I kid you not. Uh, I saw this story on the uh, Newswire. Two high school students in Colorado have become the first students to receive athletic scholarships for cornhole. This was a report in NPR. Gavin Hammond and Jackson Remick are 17-year-old seniors at Thunder Ridge High School in Highland Ranch, uh, Highlands Ranch, Colorado, and they have turned their penchant for throwing beanbags into tickets for college. The scholarships, uh, it says the scholarships for the pair who are considered to be among the best high school corn play, cornhole players in the country will cover around half of their tuition at Winthrop University in Rock Hill, South Carolina, where they will be Division I players. Cornhole, the next big thing in college athletics, apparently. And if you think, wow, that's kind of crazy. Um, actually, the kids themselves that got the scholarships uh, also thought it was a little crazy. Uh, Mr. Hammond says, I'm shocked. <laughs> I'm just as shocked as everyone is. It's crazy. So you're not the only one who thinks that's crazy. But. Cornhole, maybe the next move over, Caitlin Clark. We got cornhole coming. That's yeah. So uh, among the first things you need to know this morning, the most interesting and buzzworthy stories of the day. It seems we avoided this for Valentine's Day. We may not be so lucky for Easter. Chocolate prices may soon be on the rise, and it's all thanks to some pretty crazy weather and a sugar shortage. It says your cocoa prices have reached a 47-year high this month, which could mean your favorite Easter candies will cost more. Heavy rains in the Ivory Coast and Ghana have damaged cocoa crops, leading to a shortage. And according to the CEO of Hershey, Michelle Buck, given where cocoa prices are, we will be using every tool in our toolbox, including pricing, as a way to manage our business. So that is CEO speak for expect rising prices. So just putting you on notice, might want to go out and get your chocolate eggs and chocolate Easter bunnies before the prices go up because it looks like there's price spike coming for chocolate in this uh, country. This was uh, kind of interesting when I saw this on the Newswire this morning because this is something we were talking about just earlier this week. What was it on Thursday? Yesterday, was it uh, that we were talking about this? Yeah, yesterday morning on the uh, program, the fact that uh, employers these days, at least it seems that many employers uh, are, are not training their new employees as well as they once did. And we had a whole story about this uh, yesterday. Uh, but this is kind of a related note that I saw on the Newswire. 
It says here, providing employees with opportunities for growth in the workplace can be critical in building loyalty, which is something many employers could use in these days of increased attrition and diminishing engagement among workers. At the same time, America's youngest generation of workers expect, they go into jobs expecting to learn more on the job than their older counterparts did, but they say they are not getting the support they need. Here's another story about young workers saying that they are not getting the support on the job that they feel they need. And according to a new survey, half of young workers actually trust artificial intelligence tools over their bosses when it comes to charting their career paths. So they're so they're not getting input from bosses and managers, higher-ups, those who are more seasoned in their career fields. They're turning instead to AI for career advice. How crazy is that? Just demonstrates you know, ways to go. Uh, bosses, take note uh, of this. Uh, let's see... Speaking of work, do you use emoji in work communications? This in recent years has become something of a discussion as to whether emoji are appropriate to include in formal work-related correspondence. This is something that you may want to consider when considering that question. A scientist, the University of Nottingham in Great Britain, have found that older people are more likely to misidentify or misinterpret emojis. Um, Older people, also men, are more likely than women to misidentify or misinterpret emojis. Um... Older people they found in the research were more likely to send inappropriate emojis. Uh, Things like a a smiley face at the wrong time or uh, something like that. Researchers also found regional differences. So something you want to keep in mind if you regularly communicate with those in other societies, other countries. British respondents were less able to recognize the disgusted emoji And in China, the smile emoji can actually represent multiple emotions, not just happiness. The results, the researchers say, have important implications when considering emoji use in online communication, for example, with conversation partners from different cultures or of different ages. So, something to keep in mind, especially, again, how it relates to uh, business use. That was kind of interesting. A couple of other items here among the first things you need to know this morning. If you are a big movie fan, there's a a huge auction happening this week of some legendary costumes, props, and other items from iconic films. Hannibal Lecter's mask in The Silence of the Lambs is up for grabs. How about that? It's a little creepy, but if you're a movie fan, how cool would that be to add to your collection? Or, if that's a little... Sinister for you, Yoda's walking stick from Star Wars The Empire Strikes Back. Or the hoverboard used by Michael J. Fox in Back to the Future Part 2. No, it doesn't. It's not a functioning hoverboard. Just a a prop. But how cool would that be to include in your movie memorabilia 
connection. There are also costumes and props from Marvel, Harry Potter, and Jurassic Park. The live auction is actually taking place today in Los Angeles, but bidding is already underway on the Studio Auctions website, which is the coordinator of the auction, if you've got some spare change laying around burning a hole in your pocket. And finally, among the first things you need to know this morning, the most interesting and buzzworthy stories of the day, you know how tipping culture has gone off the rails in this country. It seems like we are being asked to tip for everything. Here is another story of the tipping culture madness. And it comes from TikTok, and this has gone viral recently. Taylor Stewart says she was asked to tip her massage therapist, which is not unusual. That is a uh, an individual that you would think you would tip, right? It's a service, and you would tip your massage therapist. But Taylor says she was asked to tip before she even got her massage. <laughs> when she went to pay, prepay for her massage, it asked for a tip. She hadn't even received her service yet. She says, I don't really consider myself to be a cheap person, but I feel like tipping is getting out of control. So here's how she fixed it or, or what she did. And I think this is actually very clever. It's something you may want to you know, think about or you know, maybe do yourself if you are ever presented with this option of tipping even before you receive the service. She tipped $5 and then she added to the tip before she left. So she gave the massage therapist cash tip, I guess. She tipped when she paid with the card, and then she gave her... So I thought that was a a clever solution, but she said it was really stressing her out while she was getting her massage. She said, I went in to relax and came out more stressed. I... And I think uh, a lot of folks can probably relate to that. Anyway, there you go. Some of the most interesting and buzzworthy stories to get your Friday morning started. WFIN News, I'm Matt Demchak. Your WTOL 11 weather. Cloudy skies expected today with a high in the mid-30s. Partly cloudy tonight, uh, low in the mid-20s. Ohio Governor Mike DeWine has announced a new effort to make Ohio's interstate safer. DeWine says over the next few years, the state will put new message boards up along interstates and highways about two miles away from 13 locations that are prone to sudden backups in traffic, which can lead to rear-end crashes. The signs will then warn of the backup. Once the technology is installed at all 13 locations, ODOT anticipates that this technology will reduce we're in crashes on our highways by about 16%. He says there were more than 8,800 such crashes in Ohio last year. Dave James, ONN News. The Christian Clearinghouse 2024 Annual Benefit Garage Sale is coming up in March. It'll be held on March 16th and 17th at Brinkman's Greenhouse at 1800 East Sandusky Street in Finley. A pre-sale event will be held on March 14th. Volunteers are needed to help out with the event, and you can get more details in this story on our website. Donations will be accepted from February 19th until March 9th. Get more information on the Christian Clearinghouse annual benefit garage sale in this story on our website. Finley City Schools is reminding students and parents that there's no school today or on Monday. Today is a professional development day for staff members and Monday is President's Day. You can check out the full school district calendar in the story on our website. Ohio State has fired men's basketball coach Chris Holtman after seven years with the program. 
The Buckeyes still have six games to go in the regular season. Associate head coach Jake Diebler will now take the team over on an interim basis. The Buckeyes have not won a road game since January 1st of 2023. So far this season, Ohio State is 14-11, and 4-10 and in Big Ten play. The search for a new head coach will begin when this season ends. At the Schottenstein Center, Dom Tiberi. And speaking of hoops, the Finley Trojans boys basketball team is on the road tonight at Napoleon in a game you can hear on WFIN. Remember, you can always get more news online anytime at WFIN.com. We are all guilty of this. I know I sure am. Too many times we forget the impact that simple gestures can have in the lives of others. And this is exactly why we have National Random Acts of Kindness Day to encourage everyone to spread kindness. It's coming up this weekend and joining us to talk about how to take part and how you can connect with your neighbors is Katie Kobe of Nextdoor.com. And Katie, talk a little bit about what Random Acts of Kindness Day is all about and how this got started. Absolutely. Thanks so much for having me this morning. Um, Fun fact, Random Acts of Kindness Day was first recognized as an annual observance in 1995. So we have been doing Random Acts of Kindness Day for almost 30 years now. Wow. And it takes place every year, February 17th, so you can put it on your calendar. Um, But the intention of it is really to celebrate those small gestures that are really easy to do, and they make a lot of impact for someone, you know? If you ever think about how it feels when someone does something randomly that's nice for you, it feels good, and and that's what it's there to celebrate. Not only does it feel good when somebody does something for you, but it also, you feel good when you do something uh, just randomly, uh, just a small gesture for someone else. It's a, it's truly a win-win. Truly, truly. Yeah, you can't go wrong with it. And you talk about a good place to start being with uh, your neighbors, the, the people that you see every day. And I know, you know, we talk about, it seems like we're kind of losing that sense of community in our neighborhoods these days. So this is a perfect place to start. What tips would you have for those who want to, celebrate kindness in their neighborhoods. Yeah, starting close to home is great. And I also like to remind people that it is free to be kind. Um, So a very simple way, smile at someone when you're going on a walk, give them a wave, hold the door open for somebody if you're going in and out of a shop or a grocery store. Um, If you happen to be sitting in that morning commute traffic and somebody lets you merge over, give them a wave in the rearview mirror so that uh, they know that their kindness was appreciated. Those are just small little things that are like, they're free to do. They're very fast and easy. They don't take a lot of commitment, but they really will help someone else out a lot more than you think. Um, If you're looking for other ways to make more of an impact in your neighborhood, simply offering maybe to help someone bring in their trash bins or picking up some litter that's on your block. Um, If you've had any recent storms, check in with your neighbors. See if anybody needs any help with perhaps maybe there's some debris in the backyard or if there's like a little bit of... of, 
you know, flooding or some sort of situation that someone needs help with, that's always a really great time just to check in with people. And if you do want to spend a little bit of money, one of my personal favorite things to do is when I go to the coffee shop, I like to just purchase an extra cup of coffee and leave it for the person behind me. That always just feels like a nice, like, fun yeah. way to, like, give someone an extra boost in their day. Yeah. Um, and the the... Other upside to this, especially these little simple things that we can do, like holding the door open for someone or, you know, uh, just a simple smile or a wave. You know, we do these enough times and they become habits. And so it's not it's something that we can do beyond just this one day, certainly. And it would be great to get into that habit. Uh, You also talk about these are things that are often welcomed by Neighbors, this is another thing that I think keeps us from doing this. Sometimes we think, oh, you know, maybe uh, somebody will think we have ulterior motives or don't want to uh, don't want our help. They're too uh, proud or whatever. But this is the kind of kindness that is welcomed by our neighbors, especially, you know, this time of year. Oh, absolutely. I think, you know, asking for help or asking people to show a little bit of kindness is really great. And here's why. We're not mind readers, right? Everybody's got so much going on. There's so much information coming at us through our TVs, our computers, our phones. And so it is oftentimes all of us have like the best of intentions of wanting to do something kind for someone, but maybe they just like don't know how. And so if you need help by raising your hand and saying like, hey, I need help I don't know, fixing my lawnmower or I need help uh, taking down this tree branch in my backyard, that will actually give folks an idea of what you need. And if it's something they can help with, they'll reach out. Um, I'll give you a great quick example of how this happened a few weeks ago. I was talking to this woman in Pennsylvania and they had just had a big snowstorm, but under doctor's orders, she wasn't allowed to go out and shovel her snow because um, Mm. lifting the snow shovel was going to be too much weight on her. Right. So she posted on Nextdoor. She used the ask for help hashtag and a nearby neighbor saw the post, reached out to her almost immediately, said that he'd bring his teenage son over and that they would help shovel out her driveway. And kid you not, within an hour of posting the comment, her driveway had been shoveled. Um, (laughs) And so I think that's just a testament to like why it's important to ask for help, right? They would have never known otherwise. Yeah. Uh, And we would be remiss uh, if we did not mention that you have a new feature or features on Nextdoor that can help uh, neighbors recognize and honor one another for those random acts of kindness. Absolutely. I think showing appreciation in and of itself is another great way to show kindness. So we have a new feature. It's called Thank a Neighbor. Um, And when you go to create a post on Nextdoor, you'll see it highlighted. But what Thank a Neighbor does is that it allows you to basically create sort of like a digital thank you card, so to speak, in the feed. And um, if you're able to mention that neighbor by name, they'll actually get a notification that lets them know that another neighbor is thinking of them and wanted to thank them for whatever it is that they did. Um, But what I love 
most about these Think a Neighbor posts is that they get put into the feed so other people see it, right? Other people can see and they can feel good seeing the goodness that's happening in their neighborhood. And it also serves as an inspiration point for someone else to help out or give back or maybe even give thanks in a different way. So again, kindness is a win-win. You cannot go wrong with kindness. Uh, and again, one of the, as I was mentioning earlier, one of the things that I love about this is not only does it perpetuate the idea of sharing random acts of kindness, it also helps build these neighborhoods and build these communities. And that's something we uh, desperately need uh, these days. Again, uh, Katie Kobe is uh, with Nextdoor uh, talking about Random Acts of Kindness Day. It is coming up on Saturday, always February 17th. Where can we get more information, Katie? For more information, you can visit nextdoor.com or download the Nextdoor app in the App Store or Google Play Store. Free to download, free to use. We'd love to see you there. Katie Kobe, thanks very much for taking the time. It was very kind of you. Thank you. As you probably know, February is Black History Month, and this year's theme is honoring African-American trailblazers in the arts. Findlay's Black Heritage Library and Multicultural Center has a couple of events coming up to highlight. Uh, Jerome Gray is with us on the line this morning. Jerome, thanks very much for uh, taking the time. First of all, we appreciate it. Good morning, Chris. Thanks for having me. So, want to talk about these events that you have coming up uh, the next couple of weekends here, this weekend and next. But uh, before we get to that, I, I am curious, what is your take? We talk about this theme of honoring African-American trailblazers in the arts. What is the significance of that to you? Well, you know, initially, that was one of the ways where America became integrated. You know, you go back to the Harlem Renaissance. You get that kickoff back in the 1920s. And it was in the arts and entertainment where people started interacting with, with each other. And uh, basically in the night scene of entertainment. So that has a significance with respect to America. You know... But, um, I, no, I was going to say, I, I think that's such an important point because long before uh, we, we talk about the trailblazers of the civil rights movement and so on, and we were talking decades before that, uh, it the arts really was that first, as you said, that first integration and the first exposure that many people had to African-American culture. Yes. Yeah. Uh, you know, you take the big band era with Duke Ellington and uh, Cab Calloway, mm -hmm. entertainers of that nature. That was the first interaction. You know, people think of Jackie Robinson and integrating baseball as the start, which was in the fifties, mm -hmm. but it started back. It started back in the twenties. You had artists uh, like Langston Hughes, and um, so. That holds that holds a significant point in the community, and education is something that, through slavery, black people were denied. So that now that doesn't mean that they didn't start seeking education the first opportunities that they could and teaching each other at home. Mm -hmm. But this was where it started coming out into the public venues and with talent on display. Uh, White started going to the speakeasies and the night spots in Harlem because 
that's what was jumping as the word was. Yeah. Well, and and it's it's not unusual. I mean, if you think about it, uh, it is quite often the arts that breaks those barriers, whether we're talking about African-American culture or, um, uh, you know, Bollywood culture of, uh, in India or, um, you know, the uh, North Korean K-pop, uh, mm-hmm. you know, uh, trend that we have uh, in pop music today, breaking down some of those barriers and, and allowing people a look inside of other cultures. It's quite often uh, arts that lead the way that that are the trailblazers. Yes, those are two of the most recent examples. I agree with that. And uh, I now you've got a couple of events coming up again, celebrating African Americans and the arts in conjunction with this year's theme for uh, Black History Month. The first one is coming up on Sunday. This Sunday, uh, give us more details on this. Yes, we're having a program at uh, the Church of the Living God. We needed their, we used their facilities when we were trying to draw a bigger crowd, and we're going to have um, music. So this Sunday at 4 p.m., we have two speakers that are going to be present. Uh, both happen to be from the state of Indiana, uh, educators. Uh, our first speaker, one of our speakers will be Dr. Yvette. Simmons Reed from Ball State University, and Doctor Doctor Simmons is the. And when you get into talking about uh, academia, you get some long titles. <laughs> Doctor Doctor Simmons Reed is the assistant professor in applied behavior analysis graduate program in the Department of Special Education at Ball State University. Should be and, uh, should be really interesting. Yes. Now let me. Uh, and uh, she formerly worked at the Ohio State University before going to Ball State, and she deals with the College of uh, Students uh, Dementor Program for the Autistic College students hmm. at Ball State Center of Autism and Spectrum Disorder is one of her jobs at Ball State. So. That's her. She specializes there. Our second speaker is Dr. Catherine H. Best, Bet, and she currently serves as the Assistant Vice Chancellor of Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion at Indiana University, Purdue University at Indianapolis. Say that three times. <laughs> IUPUI. <laughs> yep. And there you go. That's the acronym. In this role, Catherine leads a unit and division-wide initiative centered on the advocacy, retention, and leadership experiences of all students at IUPUI. That will be very interesting to hear her thoughts because we talk about diversity, equity, and inclusion, those DEI programs that have really come under fire by some in recent years. So to hear that firsthand experience about why uh, it is important and what the the mission truly is, uh, I think may be eye-opening for some folks. Yes. Now, no pun intended, but you said eye-opening. I will share this at this moment both of these young ladies happen to be blind really interesting yeah 
So again, we speak of overcoming in that respect mm-hmm. what they've done in the area of education and not allowing them that issue to stop them from being successful. Yeah. So it should be an interesting evening. After that, our entertainment component, uh, out of Cleveland, Ohio, we have a Stella Award-nominated gospel group, the Christian Brothers. So, And they will be singing and performing. They are, they are a quartet. That'll be a great uh, great performance. Really look forward to it. Again, uh, that is coming up on Sunday, 4 p.m. at the Church of the Living God on North Main Street. Uh, and again, it's admission is free. Uh, don't need any tickets or anything. Uh, just uh, be there uh, for that celebration of uh, Black History Month and African Americans uh, and the arts. You also have something coming up next weekend, right? Yes, next Saturday, the 24th of February. We are, come join us. We have uh, coming from Cleveland once again, Mr. Art McCoy. And he is an author, radio host, and community activist. Mr. McCoy goes back to the 60s and the 70s as an activist. And... He 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 experienced. He is a veteran of the Vietnam War, mm-hmm. and his challenges upon returning to civilian life. Those what he'll talk about: his struggles, loss, loss, and addictions, and the impact of systemic issues of black on black crime and police brutality. And uh, lastly his lifelong passion of fighting for positive change in the community. Mr. McCoy wrote a book. His book is entitled Surviving to Serve. Hmm. And if you put that in context, Dr. King did not survive. Malcolm X did not survive. Yeah. Uh, Bobby Kennedy did not survive. John Kennedy did not survive. And all of them, no matter you, their political view, were about service to people. Mm. So that's what Mr. McCoy points out, how he was blessed with an indomitable spirit and a relentless pursuit for justice. So he continues mm. to do that Boy. even today. Boy, that uh, would be a, definitely a very powerful day. And that is next Saturday, right? That's Saturday the 24th, and that'll be at 6 p.m. at the Black Heritage Library and Multicultural Center. And as a topper, we will be serving New Orleans-style gumbo and rice that evening. There you go. I knew that there had to be food involved. <laughs> yes. There's always food involved. Things going on with the uh, Black Heritage Library and Multicultural yes. Center uh, in honor of Black History Month and the uh, theme of honoring African-American trailblazers in the arts. Uh, really uh, interesting. So we have a, a link on our webpage for more information about these events uh, and the whole theme of uh, Black History Month uh, this February. Just go to goodmornings.net, and we've got that link there. And again, Jerome Gray. You can also go to our website, blackheritagecenter.org, and you can click on our calendar page, and you can get the information there about all of our upcoming events. We also have Tuesday night movie nights, so click on the page at 7 o'clock each Tuesday night 
from now through March. So click on the page. That information will be there. And on our Black History Month page, you can see articles and videos about various artists that we have displayed there. Mm. Some very interesting people there. It is uh, definitely uh, worth a, a trip to check out the Black Heritage Library and Multicultural Center uh, if you haven't been or if it's been a while. Jerome, thanks very much for uh, taking the time. We appreciate it. Thank you for the invite, Chris. You have a good day. School basketball action continues. The uh, Trojans, as we now know, are going to be the top seed when the high school hoops tournament begins, but there is still business to be taken care of in the regular season before we get to the postseason tournament. And the Trojans have games this weekend at Napoleon tonight, hosting Tiffin Columbian tomorrow. Earlier this week, John Marshall spoke with Finley head coach Jim Rookie. Three games have come and gone since we last spoke Friday. It was the home game with Whitmer in the Northern Lakes League matchup, 58-45 the final, before pretty much a full house at Finley High School. Yeah, it was a great atmosphere. Our crowd was really good. Our student section was, was great. It was really nice atmosphere for our guys to play in and our, our uh our fans have done a great job and really been supportive, and uh, it's been great to see. 21 hours later, you were back on the floor. You met Shelby, a Division II team that's ranked number six in D2. A slow start was enough for the Whippets to hold you off, 59-53 the score. That's a high-quality team. Yeah, they're they're very good. You know, we, we were not real sharp after, the I think, the emotional win from the night before and just had a really poor shooting night. Uh, I thought, you know, looking back and watching the film, we did a lot of pretty good things. We forced turnovers and didn't turn the ball over ourselves. You know, we, we scored uh, in transition a little bit, a little more than they did, but uh, just couldn't make shots. And they were 14 for 14 from the free throw line down the stretch, and they, they did a nice job. The third game in five days, you went to Sylvania to beat Northview. 56-37 win. Yeah, you know, I think we didn't get off to the greatest start. We were a little little flat, I think, or just not sharp, I guess. Not flat, but looks uh, not sharp. But we defended pretty well, way better in the second half, and got things going, got spread the floor a little bit better, and uh, it was a really good performance, able to get a big win and clinch a share of the conference championship. That's right. Uh, with that win, you're assured a share of at least uh, a piece of the Northern Lakes League Buckeye Division. The tournament draw happened last Sunday. You're the number one seed and will face weight on Friday, March 1st. But there's still a good bit of business to take care of between now and then. That starts with a visit to Napoleon on Friday. They opened 10-1 and but have gone just 2-6 and six since what do you have to look out for? Well, they've got an experienced group, several seniors who played a lot of basketball. A kid is 6'6", about 225, strong, athletic, can shoot the three. They, they, all, they all shoot the three pretty well. They've been up and down a little bit, but, uh, you know, it's, it's been a while since we've gone up there and played, and it'll be the first time for all, all these guys to play play at Napoleon. and. Uh, we just need to be ready to go, and hopefully we can get off to a little better start. We've had some slow starts lately. At the beginning of the year, we were, we were, uh, you know, dominating at the beginning of games, but we've we've fallen behind 
uh, our last several games, and we need hopefully get off to a little better start. Then Saturday, it's back home against uh, Tiffin Columbia, and the Tornadoes blow into town with a 500 record, give or take. Is there a key to taking care of them? Well, they do a really nice job in transition offense. They push the ball really well, get it out and go, spread the floor and attack. Uh, Travis, Coach Kim does a really nice job with them, and uh, they're going to play hard, and uh, you know they beat us over there last year. Again, uh, John Marshall with uh, Finley head coach Jim Rookie from the Coach's Corner earlier this week. Trojans at Napoleon tonight, hosting Tiffin Columbian tomorrow. Both of those games right here on 1330 WFIN, WFIN WFIN.com, and 95.5 FM. Other games on our family of stations over on 100.5 WKXA and WKXA.com. It's Macomb at Riverdale. Ottawa Glendorf on the road this weekend at Defiance tonight at Lexington tomorrow. Both those games on 106.3 The Fox and 106.3TheFox.com. You can follow all of the action from around the area on the WFIN scoreboard page in real time, powered by ScoreStream and presented by Owens Community College. Go to WFIN.com slash scoreboard. You can also find the link at GoodMornings.net. This is Good Mornings with Chris Oaks on 1330 WFIN, WFIN.com and 95.5. We interrupt this program to bring you a broken news alert. A Delta Airlines flight bound for Detroit from Amsterdam had to return uh, to uh, Amsterdam uh, just an hour into the flight earlier this week after what the airline mysteriously described as an improperly packed carry-on bag. That's what the airline said improperly packed carry-on bag now that from the statement uh that sounds kind of innocuous i mean it's improperly packed carry-on bag what's wrong with that that would have to uh cancel the flight well according to passengers (laughs) the story that passengers told uh maggots were falling from the overhead bin that's a lovely way to start the broken news maggots falling from the overhead bin apparently one of the other passengers had brought rotting fish on board in a carry-on why would you do this why in the world would you do this it says the delta flight was less than an hour into its almost nine hour flight when it turned around which is probably the right decision i mean you don't want to be trapped for nine hours on a plane with a bag of rotting fish. The owner of the suitcase was identified and detained, though it was unclear whether he will actually face any charges or fines. I mean, it's not necessarily illegal to bring... It's pretty disgusting. It's not necessarily illegal to bring fish uh, on board a plane in your carry-on. Although... After hearing this story, perhaps it should be. <laughs> maybe, maybe we should implement a rule. <laughs> uh, it says here, the uh, travelers who were on board the flight were given 8,000 free air miles, hotel vouchers, and a $30 meal ticket to help them cope. Although, I would think after that experience, the last thing you would want is to eat, you know? Sorry, I like you can keep your food voucher. I've lost my appetite. Man. Elsewhere in the broken news this morning, 
A woman in Ocala, Florida, is under arrest for allegedly throwing grits at her mother following an argument between the two. The victim, Isla Johnson, claims that her daughter, Jaquela, had been drinking when she became aggressive. According to a police report obtained by the Smoking Gun website, the 28-year-old adult child of the, uh, of the woman, uh, uh, the police recalled sheriff's deputy arrives on the scene, and this is, <laughs> this is what kind of gave me a chuckle here. The uh, police report from the uh, deputy says that uh, he observed dried grits on the side of the victim's face that matched the grits on the kitchen counter. <laughs> observed dried grits on the victim's face. That's an unusual attack. Uh, Ms. Mobley apparently has multiple arrests for battery, but does not have any convictions. She was taken to jail uh, and is being held on $2,500 bail. So, no grits for you. <laughs> but that is not the most unusual uh, family situation out of Florida. This story out of Leesburg, a man is facing jail time after allegedly carjacking his 77-year-old grandmother. He carjacked his grandmother, but then he tried to make amends by writing a four-page apology letter. <laughs> Alan Aspinwall's grandma claims in an affidavit that he asked her to unlock her car so he could grab something from the trunk, but then he pushed her to the ground, jumped in the car, and drove off. Deputies said the woman's injuries were consistent with her statement. She's going to be fine. Police caught up with uh, Mr. Aspinwall the next day and took him into custody. He initially denied the charges, but then ended up writing a four-page apology letter to his grandmother that included a promise that after being released from prison, he would be the great example of a loving father and loving grandson that she had hoped he would be. Uh-huh. He is uh, charged with carjacking, domestic battery, and theft from a person uh, age 65 or older, and that carries a stiffer penalty. So it's going to be a while before he gets out and <laughs> is able to make good on his promise to be a better grandson. Although it wouldn't be hard to be a better grandson. I mean, if that's where you're starting out from, if that's you set the bar pretty low, so... Should not be hard to be a better grandson after that. This is a story that's all kinds of crazy out of New York. And this might make your blood boil. A man convicted of murder, sentenced to 22 years to life behind bars, is now free on a technicality. Convicted of murder, he's gone free on a technicality. Terrence Lewis was released from a maximum security prison in Seneca County, New York, after a judge determined that officials violated the Federal Interstate Agreement on Detainers Law, which says that a prisoner in one jurisdiction who is facing an unrelated charge in another jurisdiction 
must be held and tried in that jurisdiction before they are returned to the place of their original incarceration. Basically, the long and short of it is, they were holding him at the wrong jail. That was it. Uh, He was charged with second-degree murder in New York. However, officials sent him back to a federal prison in Pennsylvania where he was serving a sentence for a drug conviction before his murder trial was held. Due to him being sent back to prison in Pennsylvania before the New York trial was complete, the law requires that the murder conviction will be tossed out. Will be vacated. Tossed. And he is now a free man. Wow. Wow is all you can say after a story like that. And finally, in the broken news this morning, speaking of the law, uh, Republican lawmakers in Tennessee have introduced a bill that would outlaw, in the state of Tennessee, would outlaw the sale of refrigerated beer. This is very important, apparently, in the volunteer state. They're going to outlaw the sale of refrigerated beer. If it passes, it would be the first of its kind. So what do lawmakers in Tennessee have against a cold brew, you might ask? Well, the goal of the bill is to stop drunk driving. Um, and they because you buy, you go into a convenience store into the beer cave at your local convenience store and get a refrigerated brew, you might be tempted to drink it right then and there while you're behind the wheel. Interestingly, in Tennessee, drinking while driving is illegal, but passengers are allowed to consume alcohol. Maybe that might be the first law that you want to address, you know? (laughs) That might be the first one. No refrigerated beer allowed for sale in uh, Tennessee. It's not a law yet, but it's been proposed. There you go. That is today's broken news report. An update on the odd and unusual side of the headlines. We now return you to your regularly scheduled programming. Do you know an exceptional teacher who's made a positive impact in your life or the life of a student? It's time to shine a bright spotlight on these educational heroes with the Finley Rotary Golden Apple Awards. Nominate your favorite teacher from Finley or Hancock County online at finleyrotary.org before April 5th. Nominate an outstanding educator for the Golden Apple Awards. Make a difference. Honor a teacher by visiting finleyrotary.org today. This message provided by WFIN. Time now for your daily download, the numbers behind the news, and the statistics that shape our lives. So as a postscript to Valentine's Day, want to speak to especially the guys who may be entering a new relationship. Maybe you had that uh, first date. I don't know. You know, Valentine's Day is a tough day for, for a first date. It seems like there's an awful lot of pressure. But we, you know, we think about all things love and romance uh, this week. And so in honor of Valentine's Day and those who are beginning new re- relationships, Uh, You don't want to torpedo a new relationship before it even really gets the chance to get started. Well, a new design, a new survey from uh, Redecor, which is a design simulation platform, uh, design like a home design uh, simulation, Redecor. So they put out a, a survey and they asked women, what are some of the things 
that would turn you off about a potential romantic partner? What are some of the things that would be the biggest turnoffs? Now, you know, some of them are obvious. You don't have a sense of humor if you're rude to other people, you know, that kind of thing, obviously. But what they find out is that your uh, your home, your home or apartment, uh, could be giving off some bad vibes to a potential mate, and especially your kitchen and bedroom. 35% of women say that someone using only plastic utensils <laughs> would be a major turnoff. Now, as a guy, I think that's a pretty clever solution, especially if you're a guy doesn't like to do dishes, and what guy does You use plastic utensils, you don't ever have to worry about it, and you don't ever have to do dishes, and you don't have uh, dirty silverware piling up in the the sink. But I think it's clever, but then, but women have a much better, or much different opinion of this. So it's a major turnoff. 35% of women say someone using only plastic uh, utensils is a major turnoff. Um, 48% would look down on a potential mate. If they had no bed, if you just have a mattress on the floor, no, that ain't going to get it done. And I, I have to say that's probably uh, understandable. Um, one of the biggest things, especially when it comes to you know the way you keep your home or apartment, 75% of women say that if a partner did not have clean towels, they would think about ending things. So clean towels, very important, guys. Clean towels. This I thought was interesting. Lighting can be a turnoff. 30% of women in the survey say that club lighting like a neon or lava lamps is a, is a turnoff. Uh, decor is uh, can actually be a big trigger. Um. of women say sports decor is a big red flag. I guess it would maybe give the impression that uh, you're going to be a sports widow if you enter a relationship with this person. So pack away all your sports stuff until after you get married, and then you're fine. (laughs) Uh, Decorating your house with liquor or alcohol bottles. Uh, 30% say that is a no-no. So... There you go. Some of the uh, things that women say uh, could torpedo a relationship that guys, we might not even think about. So now you know. Once again, my wife Kyra has joined us in the studio with another collection of recipes from Kyra's Kitchen. And today, we have a couple of Chinese recipes, yeah. I noticed. My wife is a, a big fan of Chinese yes, food. Yes, I am. So. <laughs> I love it. I'm surprised we don't actually have more Chinese yeah. recipes more often, often. on this program. But uh, before we get to the uh, recipes, I, this was kind of an interesting story that I saw on the uh, Newswire. Uh, kind of goes along with the uh, recipe uh, uh, thing. Okay. There is a new restaurant it's actually a ghost kitchen and you've heard that term before ghost, ghost kitchens kitchen. these are okay. uh these are restaurants that don't actually have a physical presence they don't have a dining room they're okay. uh take out only delivery only well not take okay. out just delivery only, delivery only. Uh, restaurants okay and um they don't have like a a storefront right. uh, per se but anyway uh this is a really interesting concept if you have ever seen a recipe online that looked good, but you didn't feel like cooking it yourself. Okay. 
This is called Creator's Kitchen as Seen on TikTok. Okay. And they offer a rotating menu of dishes that have gone viral Viral on on TikTok. TikTok. Okay. Yeah. Uh, The initial menu offers Italian-inspired dishes like shrimp scampi, linguine, uh, pasta chips, fried lasagna, Cajun chicken pasta, and uh, I guess it would be a rotating menu okay. uh, of the uh, most viral recipes of the moment. And uh, you place your order with the creator's kitchen as seen on TikTok, and then they cook it and deliver it to you. That's cool. I thought it was kind of a, a neat idea. Uh, the <laughs> best part of this is that the TikTok creator who makes the meal famous, who came up with the idea, who came up with the dish, will actually get a share of the sales. Oh, nice. The concept is now live in 100 locations across 32 states. Wow. Yeah. That's kind of cool. Kind of neat. Yeah. Um, I don't know that any of these dishes will necessarily make it to that level or not. I highly doubt it. But But it's okay. They're good good stuff (laughs) and they're easy to make. Yes. So you can do these yourself. Yeah. First of all, we yes. have a recipe for easy cashew chicken yeah. this morning. So two tablespoons of teriyaki sauce, one tablespoon of barbecue sauce, three tablespoons of chicken broth, one pound of boneless chicken breast cut into one-inch uh, pieces, uh, salt and pepper, one tablespoon of cornstarch, one and a half tablespoons of vegetable oil, one small onion cut into about one-inch size pieces, uh, three tablespoons of minced garlic, two tablespoons of white wine vinegar, three-fourths cups of unsalted roast cashews, and your uh, cooked white rice. So uh, whisk together the teriyaki sauce, the barbecue sauce, and the chicken broth in a small bowl. Set that aside. Then transfer your uh, chicken to a medium bowl and season with your salt and pepper, salt and, pepper and then sprinkle with some cornstarch. Um, and then toss to coat in a uh, nonstick pan or wok. Heat the oil over medium-high heat. Saute the chicken, stirring often until golden brown, and cook through about 8 to 10 minutes. Um, add your onion and cook for about another 3 to 5 minutes, stirring often until the onion is soft and translucent. Um, add your garlic and cook for another minute or so. Then add your white wine vinegar and stir. Uh, cook for another minute. Reduce your heat to medium-low. Add your teriyaki sauce mixture. Um, stir to combine and cook for another few minutes to warm through. Uh, remove from the heat, stirring your cashews. Season with some, uh, some more salt and pepper if you would like, and then serve over cooked rice. Mm, that is really good. I love yeah. uh, cashew chicken. Yes. That's, uh, that's one, one of, of our my favorites. favorites. Yeah. Yep. Uh, so relatively easy yeah. uh, recipe there. Maybe we'll do that for supper tonight. Maybe. Again. <laughs> um, it's interesting, though. Uh, I know a lot of uh, cashew chicken recipes include, like, peppers. Uh, in uh, in right. that too. Yeah. Um, this one does not. No. But no. I suppose you could add that you if could, you want. But, if you uh, want it. Yeah. yeah. Kind of if you want it, it'll give it a little bit, probably a little bit different of a flavor. Yeah. Uh, to go along with the easy cashew chicken, we have an easy wonton soup, yes. which is another one of my favorites. Yes. When we go Chinese. So one tablespoon olive oil, uh, or one teaspoon olive oil, two tablespoons of dried minced onion, one uh, teaspoon of minced garlic. One or four cups of chicken broth, one tablespoon of soy sauce, a quarter uh, teaspoon of powdered ginger, 
16 ounce frozen of your uh, pot stickers, uh, one teaspoon sesame oil and green onion, uh, which is optional if you want to put that in at a, as a garnishment um, and some flavor. Um, heat your olive oil in a Dutch oven or soup pot uh, over medium heat uh, while you slice the onion. Add the onion to the pot and saute for a couple minutes over medium heat, stirring occasionally. Stir in your garlic and, and saute that briefly. Stir in your chicken broth, your soy sauce, your ginger, and bring that to a boil. Add the frozen pot stickers to the pot. Reduce heat to medium-low and simmer for just several about seven minutes or so. Um, you want your pot stickers, of course, not to be frozen anymore, completely right. heated through right? Um, and uh, cooked through. While the pot stickers are, are simmering, chop up some green onion and sprinkle in each bowl of soup, and that is optional. Okay. And enjoy. There it's you go. really easy and really good. And then for dessert, uh, we have a slow cooker berry cobbler yeah, this recipe. This is one of my mine, favorites. So the uh, first two are kind of Chris's favorites, and <laughs> since Valentine's Day was on Wednesday, Wednesday, you know, some people are still in that mode. So (laughs) this is one of my favorites. So one cup of quick oats, uh, three-fourths cup of brown sugar, two teaspoons of cinnamon, one teaspoon of nutmeg, a half a cup of butter melted, two cans of triple berry pie filling, and two cups of uh, mixed berries frozen, or if you like fresh Mm. and you've got some fresh ones, you can use those too. But if they're frozen, you're going to thaw those, drain them and correct yeah yeah so yes so uh spray the crock pot with a uh, cooking spray and a large bowl combine the oats brown sugar cinnamon nutmeg and melted butter set that aside then pour your two cans of pie pie filling in the bottom of your prepared crock pot spread your oat mixture on top of the pie filling cover and cook on high for two to three hours serve warm with a scoop of ice cream Mm, well that is doesn't get any easier than that yeah so easy and so good and (laughs) you know this is another one of those uh again you're using the triple berry pie filling but you could use whatever berries you like just cherries or strawberries peaches blueberries oh yeah you could even go beyond just berries you can uh go create all yeah. kinds of I mean, varieties there's all on the that different one. kinds. Uh, so the recipes for the easy cashew chicken, the easy wonton soup, and the extremely easy slow cooker berry cobbler yep. can be found on the Kyra's Kitchen Facebook page, right? Yep. At Kyra's Kitchen WFIN on Facebook, where you can also share your recipes or make a request if there's something that you would like to uh, have featured on Kyra's Kitchen. We'd always yes. love to hear other recipes and suggestions and ideas and requests, all of that. So at Kyra's Kitchen WFIN on Facebook, we also have the link up at goodmornings.net. And my wife, Kyra, thanks very much. You're welcome. And that will finish up our podcast for today. I want to thank all of our guests for joining us on the program, of course. And remember, you can get more information about all of the topics that we talk about each and every day on the show at our webpage and that, of course, goodmornings.net. Coming up Monday morning on the program, the countdown continues. Will the solar eclipse end up helping or hurting local businesses? The Findlay-Hancock County Chamber of Commerce has some help for companies preparing for April's celestial show. Plus, you don't want to be looking for love in all the wrong places. Some advice on avoiding financially devastating romance scams in the wake of Valentine's Day. So until Monday morning, that is Good Mornings for this morning. Now that you've had a good morning... 
going out and make it a good day, a great weekend. We'll catch you back here next week.